What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Being Beautifully Honest podcast and channel. Thanks for being here, for being subscribed. If you're not, go ahead and hit that button. And if you're listening on YouTube, hit that like button. It's like walking in the room and hitting that light switch. Let's brighten up the place and get into this beautifully honest reaction. I actually had this video saved for a little over a year now. And I meant to listen to it and talk about it at that time, but... So many other things were just going on. And in light of all of the things that have just come out recently with regards to T.D. Jakes, Michelle Loud, who has accused loudly and ferociously and respectfully, in my personal opinion, her thoughts on the Jakes family and her truth, not her opinion, her truth about what happened to her and the spiritual coercion and spiritual manipulation. That's what I call it with regards to taking advantage of her and having Cora Jakes take her son, someone that she thought was a friend, she thought was there to help her out during a rough time that she was going through. And I previously shared a live video that she did where she just really went in on the entire family and shared a lot. And I know that there's so much more that she could say, but honestly, when it's so deep, there's really only so much that you can get out in an hour and a half time. So I shared that recently, but this video came up in my feed over a year ago. I don't follow Sarah Jakes. I know she has an immense following. She probably has more people that admire and respect her more so at this point in time than even her own dad. I wanted to share this because when I saw this, Something about it threw me and I felt like it was uh, a slap in the face to Michelle Loud and a message to Michelle Loud to basically let her know, look, you may have given birth to this baby, but that does not make you a mother and it doesn't make you the mother of your son that I'm going to call my son, Jason. And to have this woman who's supposed to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, and be in this mega ministry where she's doing things like this, I feel is horrible. I feel that after the the viral video came out of Michelle Lau calling out Cora and her family and letting people know what happened with her son, that she was trying to throw jabs and online, you know, online innuendos at Michelle Loud to just pretty much let her know you can do whatever you want to say what you want to say. But the fact of the matter is I have your son and there's nothing that you can do about it. I feel is deplorable, is despicable, and I don't like it. 
So when I saw this video, I felt like this video was a call to just let Michelle Loud know that, yeah, you may have given birth to this child, but this is my son. And the video, it was a video that Sarah Jakes did with her sister Cora. And the title of the video is Why Birthing Doesn't Make You a Mom. And I was like, how sick is that? Now, now if we want to be factual about just giving birth doesn't equally mean that you are fit to be a mother. Of course, there's been a lot of instances of people who have given birth to children that were not capable of taking care of the children. And there's also a lot of instances where men, they impregnate people, but they're not fit to be a father. But how ironic is it for them to be on this subject in light of the things that are going on and are still currently going on with Michelle Loud? So I want to give my reaction to this. So I'm going to play it and I may pause it every now and then just to give my thoughts on it. But I'm going to put the link in the description box if you want to go and watch it. This again is Sarah Jakes Roberts and she is doing, I guess, like a sleepover type theme with her sister. putting on leggings and an oversized t-shirt and eating carbs like I it's don't, not a good time I, we're probably not going to be don't want to meet you at the gym sister yeah thank you for having a pajama party with me it's my pleasure of course as doing this is like bringing back all kinds of memories yes much memories having a sister is like having a built in friend for most yeah, for most people. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are surprised at our relationship. Yeah, what, do, do you think that it's rare? Um, I was talking to Brendan the other day. I feel like maybe, because I was talking to him about how we're always together, um, and other couples look at us kind of like, y'all are weird. And we look at other couples like, y'all weird. Like, why don't you want to be together? And he was like, you know, maybe we are abnormal like i'm gonna pause it right there for a moment so this video was done prior to the se actual charges of child you know what against her now ex-husband okay so it's kind of funny hearing her say this saying how her and her husband were always together if they're always together then how could he have been sexually taking advantage of your daughter. And I've shared my thoughts on this before that I don't even believe that that's true, but that's my thoughts. Our our relationship is not the norm that you see everywhere else. And, and I kind of agree because I've seen a lot of sister relationships, but none like ours. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe because we are the only two people who have perspective on what it means to grow up the way that we have grown up. Yeah. So when we talk about something with our mom or something with our dad, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think the older I get, the more I realize just how challenging it is to have genuine 
long-lasting friendships. Yeah. yeah. I think that having a sister gave me an opportunity to know how to have relationships outside of sisterhood, but it also a little bit thwarted my perception in relationships because I would put the expectation on my friends Mm -hmm. to be as loyal and as understanding and as relatable as you. Mm. And they couldn't meet that. And so it's like, this isn't what I know a sister relationship to be. And so I, I had to learn, like, there's only one sissy. Like, I call a lot of people sis. But I only have one sissy. I think one of the things that I'm learning about friendship, especially as I've like gotten older and become more aware of myself and, and my history and my tendencies, that a lot of the friendships that I valued in the past, I only valued because we had the only thing we had in common were our insecurities. And the more that I overcame and confronted those insecurities, we no longer had that in common. Yeah, I definitely can uh, definitely relate to that. Growing up, I think a lot, we we were trying to be normal, you know, trying to fit in, trying to to let people know that we were down to earth. Like, you don't have to be afraid. We're not toting Bibles around all day or quoting scriptures every second. But there is a responsibility. Yeah. That that has been given to us, and I think that once I was able to stop putting the expectation on my relationships, um, and I started to really kind of look at me, then I was able to have better relationships because I lowered those expectations. Like yeah. you're not going to be able to f- fulfill everything for me. Yeah. I think that, like, whole notion, and I do think that there are some people who have, like, best friends where we, like, just cover everything, but I think probably a more healthy perspective on friendships is not looking for one person to give all of that to, but to be content in getting pieces of that from different people, and I think that that's one of the things that I've learned to do. The other thing is that, like, the more that I, like, pursue my purpose and, you know, work on my marriage... I don't know that I feel like I have a lot of time for the types of friendships I had before. Well, well, do you think that it's that you don't have time for those types of friendships or you have outgrown that type of friendship? I've outgrown that type of friendship. That's how I feel. I feel like I've outgrown some of my friendships in the past, not because they weren't good people, but just I'm not in that space of need anymore. I just... I want to pause it right there. You know, this conversation, and I may fast forward to get to where they start to talk about it, but I I honestly, one of the reasons why I didn't even go into watching this when I initially saw it in my feed over a year ago is because I was just so hurt, so angry, and just pissed off with the situation and knowing the details of what has gone on that I couldn't stomach listening to her have a conversation about not everyone that births a child is a mother because I just really felt like wow the audacity to sit here and have a conversation like this knowing what you've done to someone so I don't find it as a coincidence that they're supposed to be having this conversation about not all women who birth children are mothers they're sitting there and they're talking about friendships and outgrowing certain people and certain relationships and loyalty and all this other stuff again i feel like this is a conversation that in a lot of ways it's supposed to be speaking to michelle loud 
for me, if your definition of having a good time does not include putting on leggings and an oversized t-shirt and eating carbs, like, I don't... It's not a good time. I, we're probably not going to meet I this. don't want to meet you at the gym. I don't want to meet you at the gym. I don't want to get up and go not anywhere, not ever. Never. But I'm always getting up and going places, so... How? How? How do you do it? Because, like, literally... If I could stay at home forever, like, work from home, I do my grocery shopping online. Like, if I could just be at home all the days of my life, I would do it. I would, too. Tarek is so, like, antsy. Like, he just had surgery not too long mm-hmm. ago, and so he's been home, and he's been down, and I've been living my best he's life. He's like that. Tarek likes to get up and yeah. go places. We can go do three services in L.A. or fly to Denver and come back, and he'll be like, you want to go to a movie? And I'm I want to go to I want to go home. Let's go to I want to go home. Yes. But, no, I think that, you know, but Tarek has honestly become my best friend. For me... I guess getting into marriage, I realized that becoming one wasn't like an overnight thing. Because I will admit, like, I kind of thought it was like a wham, bam, we're good type deal. But it was a process of developing and growing and listening and being quiet and not, you know, jumping back and being okay with, with having someone who was not the boss of me, but was over me. Yeah. And so so once I was able to like rest in that, that I have someone who wants to fight for me, wants to protect me, wants to be my friend, wants to watch movies with me, wants to hang out with me. I have somebody I can call. Everybody else just seemed to get smaller and smaller. I've had to really, that marriage lesson has been a big lesson for me. Listen, you learned it better than anybody I know. Why do you say that? I just, I feel like you bounced back beautifully. Of course, there's a lot of pain, a lot of healing. But as far as, one, I admire that you were open to the possibility that there was love still Mm. out there. I wasn't. (laughs) It seemed like you were very open. Well, I wasn't. I, let me tell you. So, yeah, tell me. Okay, so my goal after I went through my divorce, right. I was in a bad marriage. And after that bad marriage, I just knew that at the end of the day, I never wanted to be in a situation where I was selling myself short again. Mm-hmm. And I just figured, you know, like I've been a mom since I was 14 years old. I went through this bad marriage. Like maybe I'm just going to do me. So, like, I wasn't really open to love. Like, I was open to, you know, people taking me out to dinner and, um, you know, putting nice things in my closet. But, like, this idea of, I'm just sharing my truth here. But this that is, like, really shocking for me. But let me tell you, what changed my mind was... It had to have been him then. To, oh, it was only him. Yeah. It because was, I can remember that day like it was yesterday. When I when you went on the date. Oh, you were there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I thought that he had killed you. Cora, why are you I was texting you. She, I was Cora, texting her. She literally I'm thought call the police. She, I am going to call them. <laughs> what restaurant are you at? Okay, so I was in LA and I was filming Dr. Phil. And after I filmed Dr. Phil, Tere was taking me to dinner. My yes. sister was there with me because we were doing Dr. Phil. Yes. And that 
sounds like a big deal. And so I told her I'm going to go out to dinner with this guy who I met. Really nice guy. I told her where we were going because hello, yes. she's my sister. I told her where we were going, what time we were going, et cetera, et cetera. And we stayed and talked all night long. All Literally, night long. we closed the restaurant down. Yes. I didn't look at my phone one time during dinner. They closed the restaurant down. Yes. Because I called the restaurant oh. looking for you. <laughs> And no one was saying anything. Yeah. So when you came back, I could see. That's why I said it's shocking to me that you weren't open because when you came back, it seemed like you were open. Like, like it seemed like this is what I've been waiting for this whole this whole time. And and you were so excited, like a little girl. It was like he had picked you up in a chariot. That's how I felt. Mom said that she hadn't seen me smile like that since before. It was beautiful. I'm going to pause it right there. So I, I get what's going on. The beginning of this is to just really get people to feel like this is a feel good story. And in light of what most people have heard about, even if they choose to reject the truth, choose to not listen to what Michelle Loud has had to say about Cora and what has transpired with her son. This is to just get people to get a a little bit more familiar with them on a familiar level of not just being the Jake's children or seeing them up in a pulpit or in the Potter's House ministry, but being these, you know, these young ladies who've gone through heartbreak and being in relationships and marriage and all of that other stuff. And like I said, this video is over a year old. So this is prior to Cora just all of a sudden, all this news came out about her husband and then her filing for divorce. And now he's in prison for like 20 to 40 years. It's crazy. But I'm going to fast forward through this a little bit because I want to get to where they're talking about mothers and children, okay? So you talked a little bit about your issues with infertility. Yes. And how you thought you were the only one who was dealing with that. Um, For my age, for sure. um, I guess for as long as I can remember, I've battled just with development, to be honest, um, uh, reproductively, uh, more specifically. And so when I got diagnosed, it was not just, is there someone going through it? But is there a 22-year-old mm-hmm. that's going through it that can say, this is not just, this isn't just you. Yeah. And when I went and I looked, I couldn't find any 20-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And I found out later that a lot of people are dealing with, with infertility. Um, of course, from my own personal definition, but just from a medical standpoint. But it's such a shamed topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about it. There are symptoms that come with infertility based off of many different diagnoses. You you could have many different symptoms. And and for women, especially wives, you want to give your husband a C. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. 
Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Now you, that's like the goal. I want to be able to give my husband his own, mm-hmm. his own blood child. And so I had to first learn how to love something that wasn't of me. Because I learned how to love, you know, family and friends, but to be a mother to someone that I did not birth and having to learn how to love them and not be bitter about infertility was a very difficult, and I can't admit still difficult process for me to get to get through. Mm-hmm. Like every, I feel like every year I love my kids more than I did before, but for so many more reasons than your average birth mother would have, mm. you know? <clears throat> it's just like a, I can really see my my spirit in them. Uh, uh-huh. So I had to start looking for things, you know, maybe we don't have the same eyes, but we have the same laugh. Maybe we don't have the same hands, but we clap the same, you know? I, I had to start figuring out how to love something that I did not birth like I birthed. Wow. Yeah. I never hear anyone talk about that. I mean, they, it just makes it seem like, I know it's love at first sight, because, like, I have Amari in yes. my life and took in my life, and it, it's very much so love at first sight. Yes. Um, but I never thought about the perspective of day-to-day finding new things to love about yes. your child instead of discovering parts of you in that exactly, child. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I have to find me in another way in them and and it's crazy because both of them look just like Brandon in their own way and he's like I didn't do it (laughs) but um they do and they both mesh our personality so well but it is it's it's that look and then it's it's not giving up yeah because a lot of we we foster to adopt Mari and fostering is a devastating process mm-hmm. just overall um we lost some kids we gained some kids we adopted some kids we had to let go of some kids and so it was just a, a grueling process and I can remember uh when we first got Mari just feeling like she doesn't love me and and I love her and I want her to have the best of things but she doesn't love me and I don't know how to get her to love me and and my friend Jada was like well maybe we should send her back and so I had to figure out, like, okay, when you birth a child, you don't get to just send them back because they don't act like you expected them to act. Yeah. So since I can't send her back because I know she's mine, what is going to connect us? And so we connected through dance. We connected through uh, just that whole mommy and me thing. And I had to start asking her, like, what kind of mommy were you expecting? Mm. Because I never thought to ask her that. Yeah. Um, I, I asked her maybe two years ago, like, what what kind of mommy were you expecting? What kind of brother were you expecting? Like, when you thought of family, what were you looking for? Wow. And, and she was like, well, I thought my mommy would bake cookies with me, and we would read books, and, you know, she would discipline me, and, but she'd have a really big family because I wanted to be loved by lots and lots of people. And so it was just cool to see that she had built a vision yes. for herself. Right. Um, and, and to be able to hear her, like, really verbalize it and get it all out was, was very interesting. 
how have you and Brandon maritally like navigated infertility and adoption? Like, I, is there guilt? Was there guilt? Shame? And how did you address it and overcome it? Um, I was guilt. I felt guilty. Um, when I was diagnosed, I called our engagement off and he was still showing up. And I thought, like, why are you still showing up? You could go and you could get anybody else pregnant. You know, you could have a normal wife. And, um, he was like, we're going to fight this thing together. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. But I still felt like that, that guilt. And every time, you know, the, the time of the month would come and it's just like more, more shame, more, I just really wanted to be that for him. Um, I think what helped me is Brandon does not care if I birth a child or not. Mm. Um, and so you heard what she said right there, and it really makes me feel even more strongly today, listening to this now, that this situation with the so-called adoptions of the children, this was more her thing than it was his, her now ex-husband. And he, I'm sure, knew a whole lot. I'm sure he was privy to a whole lot. And just my personal opinion, I feel like a lot of the things that have been alleged about him and has been charged against him and now sentenced to was to silence him. It married me to become a mother to his children. Mm-hmm. He married me to be his wife. Yeah. And so um, he never gave me guilt. He never gave me shame. He never made me feel bad. Even when I felt bad and wanted to cry and I'd have like these up and down moments and he would just hold me. But he never made me feel bad about it. And and I can say that without Brandon, I feel like I would have been in my dark place for a lot longer than I was because he really undergird me. He really fought with me, prayed with me. Um, when, when our first IVF cycle fell, he was like, let's, let's do the adoption. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go for it. He saw a picture of Amari. He's like, that's our daughter. I saw two guys. I'm like, that's our son. And so, um, it, it wasn't a marital fight against each other. We went into marriage knowing we would have to fight infertility together and we stayed together to fight it. So maybe there's a woman who's going through infertility and her husband's saying all of those things, I love you, I didn't marry you because I wanted you to pop out all of these babies, I married you and I want to be here for you, but because of her own feelings, she can't accept that love. Like, what would you say to her? Um, I would say give yourself time to grieve the vision that you hoped for not happening. Um, allow your husband time to grieve also because they can be telling you all of that, but there's still, you know, internally things they have to heal from. You know, we all have that vision. You know, we sing it as kids. They kissing in the tree. First comes love, then comes marriage and the baby in the baby carriage. It's just what we, we know. So give, give your husband time to grieve that what he was expecting it may come in a different way. 
The other thing I say to a lot of women is be open to the possibility that God wants you to be a different kind of mother. I felt like the only way I could be a mom is if I pushed them out. And, and I wouldn't be able to love them as much as I, as I could unless I pushed them out. And God really opened up my heart and my mind to birthing doesn't make you a mom. Right. I really had to keep reiterating that. And Brandon, I had to keep telling him that as well. Like, me birthing doesn't make you a father. Yeah. But it's the time we put into our kids. It's the, it's the nourishment that we put into our kids. And don't look for someone to blame. Because it's easy to do that. It's easy to be like, well, you're the problem. No, you're the problem. Because that's what fertility clinics do. Oh, wow. They try okay. to find out who's the problem. Mm -hmm. And so you leave the fertility clinic thinking you're the problem. Yeah. And if you don't have a husband that's compassionate, um, you, you end up going into a, a really depressive place. Mm -hmm. So to the same, I hear women who have that wonderful supportive husband who's telling them and then I hear husbands who are beating their wives up about it and I thought you were going to be able to have a child I thought we were going to be able to do this and so really just wrapping your head around God may give me my promise but it may not come the way that I thought it was going to come yeah. and to be okay with that yeah. is very very important I had to be okay with God is still going to make me a mom it just may not happen the way that I expected it. Well, you heard what she said right there. And that really gets me to the gist of even listening to this to see what she had to say about this. Because if you heard Michelle Loud's story, her initial coming out, if you will, share of how she got to this place of even wanting to blast Cora and the Jigs family in the, sp the spiritual manipulation and coercion that they went through to take her fifth child that she birthed. Even though we know this video that they did together, Sarah and Cora, saying not all mothers are those that gave birth. They used spiritual coercion when she said that this woman who's supposed to be a prophetess and she and Cora, they were praying over her p-r-a-y-i-n-g which i feel like was more p-r-e-y-i-n-g praying over her to make her believe that god told them that this child she gave birth to she did not give birth to for herself but it was for someone else and when Michelle was going through a hard struggle in her life during that time and just different papers that she signed that she, you know, honestly, she said she didn't read and it doesn't make it right for people to say, well, she should have read the paperwork or she should have had an attorney or she should have had this or she should have had that. What I, my response to that and what I say to that is people shouldn't use laws and contracts and agreements and paperwork in a way that is nefarious and that is unethical to take something away from someone and then when that person turns around to question it after they've signed the papers, after they've done it, for your response to be, well, you signed it, 
that doesn't make it right. Yeah. And so now you go out sharing this story mm-hmm. all over the country. Yes. All over the world. Yes. Sharing with other women, not just about infertility, but about just in your faith. Yes. And how your faith isn't always fertile ground. Well, yeah, because when I when I got diagnosed, my idea was, okay, Lord, if I'm going to go through this, you got to make it count like you... I wanted to help somebody. I wanted to, to encourage some someone. And so when I looked up infertility, it was that whole inability to produce. Mm-hmm. And I find that we, men, women, young, old, big, fat, tall, short, all have areas in our lives that, that were infertile. Yeah. You may be really great in business, but your home is a wreck. Right. That's an infertile place for you. You're not productive in that. Or vice versa, you may be great at home, but you're not good at your job. You're not productive at your job. And so my idea was, how do you produce productivity? Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is by faith. Mm -hmm. The only way you can can be productive is by believing that you can. How do you define faith? What is faith? Well, faith for me... I don't want to hear anymore. (laughs) But listen, what she was basically saying and all of that going around and going around and going around was that she may not have given birth to the children that she has and one of them, at least one of them out of the two that she has, we who have ears to hear and are choosing to believe the truth over just saying, well, that's the Jake's family, and I don't believe they would do anything like that. Believe that she allowed spiritual manipulation to have her take someone else's child and then to use spiritual manipulation to not only do it in that way, but after the fact to come out to say and try to encourage and strengthen other women to say, that not all mothers who have given, you know, who haven't given birth are not mothers and not everyone who has given birth to children are mothers. Michelle Loud is a mother to five children, not just four. And she says she's not going to shut up. She's not going to stop speaking until she gets the justice that is due to her, which is getting her son back. And I don't believe there have been there have been situations in the past we know where someone you know agreed to give birth to someone's child that they you know would carry as a surrogate and they knew that they were not going to keep the child but then they later on tried to keep the child and they said they changed their mind or whatever but honestly those situations you would think they would happen more often than they do but they don't happen very often I don't believe that this was a situation where she willingly wanted to give up her child. Because if she did, I don't believe that she would be saying the things that she has said even up to this very day about what transpired. I don't. I don't think that this is a situation of regret. Of At one point, she did want to do it, and then she just changed her mind later on. I, I don't believe that to be the case. I don't think this is situ- this is a situation like um, the Chrisleys. I never watched that show, but I know when the Chrisleys were sentenced to prison, 
one of the children that they, I guess, had custody of, it was a situation where the mother, I guess she had given up her parental rights and she was struggling with drugs and different things like that. And then when they were sentenced to prison and she wanted to turn around and say, no, that's my child. I want my child back and whatever. I don't think it's a situation like that. I believe that this was just a 100% complete coercion and manipulation tactic. And they use the church and their powers to take this woman's child and then to do this video to say, you know, why birthing doesn't make you a mom, why birthing doesn't make you a mother. I just feel that that was just a huge slap in the face to Michelle. And I, you know, I've heard Michelle say that she has done different posts on social media and things, meaning Cora, to pretty much, you know, let her know, like, I don't care what you say, this is my son. And I just think that that's really sad. And then to like block her, but then use burner pages to follow her and to get into her, you know, to watch her videos and to see what she's talking about or whatever. It's just absolutely crazy. So I just wanted to talk about this guy, guys, give my reaction to it. If you want, you can go back and watch the video. I'll put the full link in the description box if you want to go and watch it. I had to stop it where it's at. It had about five minutes left that I just really didn't care to listen to anymore because I'm just over it when it comes to them in that situation. I believe Michelle 100%. I don't believe that she's lying about anything that she has said with regards to her son. And I am hoping and praying that she gets her son back period. If Cora could lose her husband, then let go of that, at least that child. I don't know the situation with the other one, but this is the one where we know the mother has come out and has profusely stated that that is my son. And I did not want this to happen. And I want my son back. And I'm dealing with great money and great powers that I am up against that I don't have the equivalent of all I have is my voice and the truth. So I hope that all of that prevails for her. So I just wanted to share my thoughts on this. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section. Thank you so much for being here for liking and subscribing. I'm Beth, just being beautifully honest. So until the next time, I just wanted to keep it brief, beautiful, and I'm going to say bye.